The Cloudcast is sponsored by Intel Cloud for All, driving the creation of tens of thousands of clouds. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is The Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to The Cloudcast, coming to you live, as always, from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, Aaron, glad, good to have you back. We haven't done a show in a couple of weeks together. Yeah, I know. It's, it's been a couple of weeks, and it, it's definitely good to be back, without a doubt. So um, good to have you back. You're uh, getting settled into the, the whole uh, NetApp thing. You guys are getting uh, acclimated into that Borg. Um, how, yeah. are things, how are things going? It's been it's been a lot of fun, but, but uh, you know, I had to decline my first meeting to prep for a meeting today. So, yeah, I'm definitely getting used to uh, big company culture again, which, you know, it's been a couple of years yeah. uh, going from the startup to the big company. And I was like, oh, this is what it's like. Yeah, you don't get to make decisions <laughs> for yourself anymore. So... Lots of committees. All right. Well, uh, so good to have you back. Um, and in the last couple of weeks, we've been we've been talking a bunch about. And it wasn't sort of intentional, but we had a, a couple of really good guests, and we got to talking about sort of operational issues and deployment issues and networking challenges and uh, stuff, which is not necessarily right in our sweet spot, but but obviously is is really important to everybody who's doing DevOps stuff and doing uh, you know modern modern things around cloud and all. And we thought with you know, things like the RSA conference coming up and, uh, you know, security in the headlines and privacy in the headlines. We thought, uh, what better way to kind of keep going on that theme than to have uh, somebody come on and talk about security and, and how it applies to all this stuff. So really excited today, uh, tonight to have on Alan Cohen, uh, Chief Commercial Officer at Illumio. Alan, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Uh, some one of these, I do have to see your big uh, broadcasting studio. I'm a big fan of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. We uh, we started. Uh, well, you're a you're an ex Cisco guy, and and uh, Aaron Aaron and I know this. We we started in I think what was a very very small wiring closet in Cisco back in the day because it was the only place we could find that was kind of quiet. Uh, so that was the original massive studio, and and now it's sort of expanded into some other things. So now now you're a now you're a podcasting guy. Before we get into the aluminum stuff, you're a you're a podcasting guy. Tell us about what you do uh, with with your podcast. Uh, so we actually have a podcast called Tailgating Security, and as a uh, long-suffering, over-tenure Oakland Raider season ticket holder, we try to think about what's like when you're sitting on a bunch of folding chairs and you tailgate down and you're grilling, and we talk to uh, folks around the industry, CISOs, uh, people who have started technology companies, and we talk about the issues in hand. Uh, we we talk to them about you know how they see things um, from kind of a broad swath. We never talk about products. If we talk about products, we, we tend to beat people up uh, for that because you know it is security has become such a front and center issue. So we try to get a little bit behind the people who are building the stuff or dealing with the issues, and it's fun. I mean, you guys podcast it. It's fun, and uh, we uh, we always ask people what superhero they would be. We have a kind of a set of stock questions and if they prepare then we mix them up again yeah yeah no that's cool that's good it's uh yeah it's great just to be able to sort of just riff with people like you would being at a conference or like you said tailgating before a football game or something like that so um very cool so you know for anybody who doesn't know illumino because you illumio because you guys have been around for a couple of years now um Give us right. give us the one on one of the company, and then and then let's talk a little bit about your background because you've got a, a very interesting background in terms of um, kind of changing things and disrupting things, and and let's let's tie the two of those things together. Okay, well they're they're definitely tied together. So Illumio is not a Harry is not a Howard. 
not getting that out today. It's not a Harry Potter spell, right? Though it does sound like one. Um, Lumio is a data center and cloud uh, security company uh, that's built a software platform that effectively does three things. Uh, I won't talk a lot about it, the product, but what we do is we reverse the model. So we build security at the application and workload level and work out. So we have no dependency on the infrastructure because it kind of runs everywhere. We really, we really um, mirror the uh, computing motion. So it works on bare metal, it works on VMs, it works on containers, it works in Amazon, it works on Nutanix, it works in your own data center, it works in OpenStack. Because we're decoupled, we mirror the computing motion. So if you have very dynamic computing, like you have things like vMotion, or you're, you know, now you're running uh, Docker or other forms of Linux container that's very temporal, the Illumio software effectively spins up, and we can spend some time on that with that you know, follows the workloads and the applications around. But the core thing that we do is we provide a series of security services that include adaptive segmentation and encryption that shrink the attack surface um, from a communications and process point of view in the applications uh, by drawing tighter and tighter concentric circles around them and basically limiting access through whitelisting right down to the process and port level on an actual workload itself. So it's very fine grain level of control. And what that means is that there are just fewer ways that bad actors or carelessness can, can uh, create an exposure um, inside a data center or inside a uh, public cloud. Okay. So, so if I get, if I understand the basics of it, um, application gets deployed, your software gets deployed with that application. Like you said, at, at the host level, container level, uh, right. whatever, whatever's appropriate. And, and then it starts dynamically figuring out what's going on in that host with those applications, right? There isn't this That's right. kind of manual, like, okay, it's port this and port that. And, and these are the, like, it's figuring it out on the fly. Right. And there's some centralized system that's then, okay. then going, okay, what, what's going on? Well, that's, that's exactly right. So we basically live inside the operating system and we see everything. And that gets kind of basically uh, forked over to a giant brain that we call the policy compute engine, which technically is closer to, let's say, the Google search engine than a firewall or an IDS device. And the first thing it does is it builds a topological graph. Uh, or math that we call the relationship graph of all of the workloads and all the communications flows. And it's very uh, physical and has a physical dimensionality to your computing. And we allow you to visualize it so you can actually see all of these things and see what's talking to what. From there, you can either write policy um, or, you know, that, that's kind of an organic ground up way of using Illumio. We can also take uh, security rules from CMDBs like ServiceNow or orchestration systems like Chef, Pup, and Ansible, Salt, those kinds of things. So what's interesting is we've built a distributed computing platform and applied it against a um, data center and cloud security problem. So we're kind of a very cloud-native kind of um, product, but we spent two years in stealth. So if you haven't heard of Illumio, don't feel bad. We've only been out of stealth for a year. And because, while we did that, we realized that enterprise data centers were going to be the primary target as much as the cloud. So we've brought basically a cloud-centric system deep into the heart of the enterprise data center, as well as operating in the, the normal environment. You would see us in things like Amazon or Azure. And that's <laughs> very disruptive to people because it's, 
doesn't look like the traditional infrastructure model. And, and so, Alan, it's it's really fascinating this this idea of this adaptive security model. But but also too, what I wanted to do is related back to how has this been kind of the natural evolution of of Alan, quite frankly, between you know Airspace and Nicira and some of these other companies. You, you've kind of been serial disruptor <laughs> over the years. And yeah, just, you know, you know, how is, how has that kind of rolled through your career? Well, I think, you know, what you, what you, what you do is you look, you know, what I would say is that, look, we just came out of 10 years of client server, I'm sorry, 30 years of client server technology. So, you know, airspace was the kind of one of the first companies to allow uh, basically a centralized controller to allow you to manage you know, wireless LAN at, at great volume. It was completely antithetical to Cisco's model. And uh, what they do, they actually bought us, right? And it's actually become the, the key point for the industry. I mean, when we got to Cisco, it's a half a billion dollar business. Now it's a two and a half billion dollar business. And, you know, Nasira also takes that step further, much more kind of dynamic virtualization principles, and then Illumio is like pure distributed computing. So for me, I would say that I'm a up-from-infrastructure kind of guy that came from the world of CLI and known places in the network and set points and have evolved increasingly into these dynamic environments. Uh, what that's led to is you know, causing a lot of trouble for incumbents. Uh, the first one obviously swallowed us. Um, the second one you know, wound up inside of VMware, we're hoping Illumio is a very large company. We'll be podcasting with you guys for a long time. So I, you know, I think for me, I tend to find problems that can't be solved by incumbents because of the innovator's dilemma and go after them hard and then try to build enterprise kind of quality systems that allow you to address it at scale. And the problem that we're working on now is so much dramatically larger and so, you know, like when I was, I, when I was at airspace, you know, the wireless land market was probably a billion dollars. And then when I got to Nasira, you know, you know, we were basically competing with networking at the top of the rack switch, right? So a fairly big market. Illumio is going after basically computing for the entire data center cloud. And the announcement we made this week also starting to reach into the user community, multiples bigger. So, uh, I'd say, you know, like if you're a prize fighter, you're always looking for a set of training fights, right? You got to kind of work your way up. So I guess I've gone through bigger and bigger disruptions. Those were, those were great training exercises. I mean, they were really wonderful companies with incredible engineers and, you know, great vision. But this, this one feels like the real big kahuna to me. Yeah. So um, I guess it took, me a, it took me a while to get good. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's interesting. You, you said, you know, it's, we, we've been doing this client server thing for 30 years and, you know, you, you sort of put that in perspective and you go, okay, uh, you know, there's, there's no argument there about how long it's been going on. And then you think about, okay, from say the, the, the mini computing world or the mainframe world to the PC world. Okay. Like how much of it was the same? How much of it turned out to be the same? And, you know, in, in, for the most part, you go not not very much. Like you know, some of the same companies, but but very little of the technology, very little of the architecture stayed the same. And and we look at where we are in the cloud world, and you know, Amazon's been around since '07, but realistically, you know, people started kind of getting into this stuff around nine or ten. So we're we're about five or six years into this. You think about this as a maybe a thirty year trend. Um, you know, the, what you guys were trying to do basically in, in starting over in essence, or sort of starting from scratch and flipping the model, it's almost a, it's almost a necessity, right? It's not really a, 
uh, an evolutionary thing. Like it's a necessity thing given that, you know, what we're going to be doing with cloud and containers and, and, you know, multiple clouds won't look anything like what we've been dealing with for 30 years. I mean, is that the way you guys kind of think about this in terms of you had to do it completely differently or do it very differently? Oh yeah, no, we, we had to do it because, you know, I mean, when I first met the founders of the company over three years ago and they showed me the first version of the software and I started thinking about it, I said, you realize this thing that we've built is actually alive, right? It's not a virtualized version of a prior bike. So if you think about what virtualization did, it took the old model and put it into software, but it's the same model. Yeah, yep, the server. Right? Yep. I, mean, there's, I mean, a virtual server and a physical server still operates like a server, still has dependency on storage, still, you know, you know, and memory and network. And if you look at how, you know, Facebook and Google, and particularly Google, right, and Amazon, they've reconst- they are reconstructing the stack. And I think the thing that's most important here is that the definitions, the architectural definitions that we've had, where you're, by the way, you, you guys are like, you're a storage guy, and I'm a networking guy, and a security guy, and I was part-time a virtualization guy, right? You know, those categorizations, I think, are going to go away. Yeah. Um, we have a partnership with a company called Nutanix. I know if you guys have spoken to them, right? They are not a better version of people who've kind of pushed together network storage and servers, right? And then glued it together, they are actually building a software layer auto, you know, that starts to change how those components are. At the end of the day, you're moving zeros and ones around. And increasingly as processors have become more powerful, but more importantly, as distributed computing platforms allow you to take on functions in the big C computing, um, you know, where things where they live. I mean, think about these applications. They're multi-tier. And I may, I may put the web tier in Amazon and I may put the databases in my own data center and I've got to stretch across them to construct basically a digital experience for a customer. You know, I don't own half that infrastructure. I'm working on different principles. Um, I may be using some open source stuff along the way. It's a, you know, what, what's that old that old line from training? They were playing checkers, not chess. Yep. So the yep. intelligence that it takes to put these systems together, take large distributed processing. So at Illumio, at its heart, is a giant brain that we keep making bigger and bigger and smarter and smarter and scaling out. And I think all of the things that we've been working on for the last 10 or 15 years are heading in that direction, more distributed, more dynamic, more heterogeneous, and definitely more hybrid. And that's the real world. Um, not the world like, you know, buy my box or buy my software running on a box and good luck. And you're never going to put that genie back in the bottle. Well, and, and, and I think, you know, when you, you look at the companies today that, that are growing and successful and so forth, like it, it it has to be a software play. That's a given, but it, but it has to be a, it has to be a platform play. There has to be a platform that's helping customers accelerate their learning curve faster than they can do themselves. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's no, the I- difference is, is that the folks who basically, like you said, replicate something else, you're forcing the customers to, to build this learning curve on the fly. And if you're, if you're building that learning curve for them, they, they get value immediately from it. Totally. I think that's, that's, total, that's totally part of it. You know what's interesting that we've learned, and I don't know if you guys have seen this. So you know, when I look at the customers that we've had in the last year, the people we work with, and we have about 50 customers that are in you know, various forms of production, I always say like to buy your data center security for your most valuable assets from us, you have to be like either really visionary or really desperate, <laughs> right? I mean, we're 150 people yeah, in Sunnyvale, yeah. and look, we're well-funded, and we have a good team, and we have a really good platform. I mean, our VP of engineering was in six 
see it in VMware, chief management architect, like we have really good people here, but they are so forward leaning or so acutely underserved by other technology options. You know, they are willing to go past the traditional constraints. Some of the constraints are technology and some of the constraints are actually how do they run their IT operations. Um, I don't know, Brian, when you and I met uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I have this thing I call uh, that I that I you think about. There are people who build apps. They're kind of like uh, DevOps people or app developers. And they're the, I call them the department of go. And then they put it onto the infrastructure and they were like the department is slow. And then before it could go out into the market or be used internally, the security guys have to sign off. And they're the department of no. And what we do is we allow no and slow to move to go. So we go to meetings with customers. There's infrastructure people. There's security people. And by the second meeting, there's DevOps people. When have you, I mean, I mean, so the, the knitting together of those communities or maybe what we're seeing the beginning of the fusing of those functions inside uh, IT shops is a big difference. And I got to tell you, five years from now, I bet you all those people are going to have different titles. Yeah. They're going to think about their job differently. App developers are going to think about security. Security people are going to think about speed. Infrastructure people are making decisions, build, buy, rent, right? You know, they're, they're, they're not just looking at, you know, traditional logos from, from their existing vendors. It's not a knock on it because they're all being driven by speed. And increasingly, every large company that we meet is a software developer. They think like software developers, and you have to talk to them like software developers, no matter what function they're in. Yeah, and that's and, and, and so and and that's in industries that aren't core software development, correct? Um, you know, banking. Well, that's, and other that's right. I mean, I mean, I think about it. Like, I have I have this customer creative artist, and they are a billion and a half dollar talent agency. Their CIO, Michael Keithley, is one of the smartest people I've ever met. He is one of the premier users of SaaS. He, you know, obviously we are his uh, data center and cloud security platform, and his product is people and managing talent. Right. But he needs to operate in a different model. Uh, but, you know, another customer of ours that I love, and I'm actually on their headset right now, is Plantronics. They build hardware for a living. Right. But the, we got involved with them because they, for their largest part of their business, is building call center headsets. They realized that, wow, we can tell people how long they've been on, what the transmit power is, productivity of the reps using it. And they said, we can create a headset as a service and provide all that information, all that heuristics to make people more efficient. They set it up as a service. Well, they became a software developer when they did that. And it all runs in Amazon. And our customer is the DevOps manager. Interesting. Very Who, interesting. And the first time we met him, he took the keyboard out of our hands. He goes, I know. And we show you we're on our UI and we're doing the demo. He takes the keyboard out of our hands and he goes, I can use this. This looks like Network Chef. And he starts flying through it. It was almost like that scene <laughs> in Jurassic Park where the girls in the control room, she goes, I know this. This is a Unix system. And she turns Jurassic Park back on. Right? She didn't have a lesson on how to do it. So we're going to see a lot more of these people. And those of us in the IT industry, if we don't embrace and empower them, they're going to leave us behind. Yeah, and you, it's, it's, it's such an interesting trend because so um, uh, having up until very recently done a startup and, and it, the, the model of the buyer is just so different in our industry. And that is a, a decently recent change. Um, it's been a long time coming 
But I think it's just within the last couple of years where, uh, you know, a lot of people wrote about it. A lot of people talked about it. But I do do firmly believe, especially for these more forward looking companies, it, that that time is here without a doubt. No, I, I, I mean, I mean, Aaron, I, I think you're I think you're exactly right. And, the, you know, the real youth, the real dictate of that is who's driving the spend. Right. At the end of the day, that's the rubber meets the road and who increasingly calls the shots and. You know, the developers are only responsible to the business, right? They're responsible to the business owners. So they have the, they're very driven by urgency. They're driven by innovation and they're infusing that through the rest of the IT organization. And you know what? It turns out the other folks in IT, they're not exactly Luddites. They're actually pretty smart and they're getting it. Um, and you know, we see them everywhere. But you know, for us, the part that's really most interesting is we're watching security have a real seat at the table as opposed to being an enabling function because if there's no trust in your product and service, you're basically done. Well, and I have to imagine it changes a little bit. You know, when, you're, when you're dealing with the developers, like you said, you're dealing with people who um, you know, more and more are going to sort of be creating the face of the company, right? As the company becomes digital, right? So you know, use Plantronics as your example. We, we know them you know, from what we used to be like the quality of their headsets and, you know, how long the, the cord was from your, from your PC to right. the headset and all those sort of things. And now if you're talking about them getting into, you know, offering a service that's going to get into, uh, you know, what's the experience that, that, that their product helps customers deliver in terms of audio quality, or like you said, uh, you know, things like, you know, can I keep track of how long a call agent is on the phone and, you know, the, whatever that's going to impact like, you know, the health of that person or other things that are not just selling that piece of hardware. Now, all of a sudden you, you have to think about security in a whole different way because you get hacked on the inside. People can keep it quiet. You get cat, you get hacked on the outside and it's all over social media. It's all over the news. I mean, it's, it's a big story like that. That's gotta be front and center. for Well, it's, it's cost some CEOs and some boards, their jobs, right? You know, and so people are as serious as a heart attack. But, you know, it's interesting what you just said. I never thought about it this way, but I think IT people are now in the experience business as much as they are in the data process. Remember, you guys are not old enough. I'm, I'm not quite old enough to know this, but I, if I'm a fan <laughs> of books about computer science history, is that, you know, you, you know, IT was originally called data process. And there are some people who still think about it that way. Not many anymore. Now it's all about what experience you're providing for your employees and your end users. And, you know, I mean, you know, the iPhone changed how we communicate. We're seeing things like Slack change how we work together. And, you know, I mean, you know, you, you pick a bank based on how much you like the mobile phone yeah. app as much as like what their interest rates are and how easy is it to pay bills from that? Like, I mean, I have two kids in college. Uh, I don't know if they've done anything other than do their banking from a mobile phone. Yep. Yep. No, we heard that from, you Cap- know, I we heard that from capital one. They said that, you know, the, the mobile phone is now their brand off their, their branch office. So they have to have that. Yeah. Very innovative. But we, we like Cap- very innovative. They have a, actually have ever have a chance to visit their innovation center in uh, San Francisco. They have uh, you know, it is, it is really changed. So you take that attitude. So what you're doing is you're now fusing the people who create products and services for a business and it's becoming fused with it. I mean, so our goal as a company is to make security, you know, the, the enabling layer to get to yes, as opposed to the police that say no. Because even with all of the hacks, people still have to run their business. Yep. They still have to innovate. And, it's, you, know, it's a, you know, it's not a perfect analogy, but, you know, 
you know, people have learned long, long ago. I come from a Navy family, so I'm not a complete expert on this. But, you know, you can't win a war just through an Air Force and just bombing because after the bombing ends, people kind of go out and do their business. And I think that's what a lot of people have done in the security environment. They are finding ways around the risks. I mean, I, and what's interesting, so we have RSA coming up in, in a couple of weeks. And I don't know if you guys are going to visit, but last year, you know, the last two years in IT have all been about hacking. Hack, this has been hacked and that hacked. And you got to detect all the bad actors. I think what we're going to see a shift in, and it's something that we play a role in with lots of other people in the industry, is less about detection and more about containing the blast radius and reducing the risk. So accepting the world as a dangerous place and reducing the amount of damage that can occur as opposed to thinking that you're going to stop it in its tracks. And that's yeah. why going, going from a model of 100%. <laughs> well, it doesn't work, does it, Aaron? Right. You know, exactly. people, I mean, and, and what's interesting is like, you know, when, when you look at a lot of the large hacks, it wasn't that they didn't buy great technology. They bought it from, you know, the most of the leading vendors. It was how human beings stitched them together where a lot of the risks, so you look at a lot of the big hacks and they had great technology. They had FireEye and CrowdStrike and, you know, Symantec and they had great firewalls from Palo Alto. But so what I think what happens is that security is going to have to take more of a form like we are, where we're effectively a synaptic pulse of the broader computing environment. And we're kind of in touch and tune and alive to when something bad happens in that environment to both alert on it and take action. And, that's how systems are being built. I mean, I mean, it's not a joke that we're all talking about AI these days, right? I mean, we're just starting to introduce our first machine learning capabilities inside of Illumio where we can actually suggest to people how they should run their security, not just allow you to configure it. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's an exciting time. And I think, well, you look at a lot of the great systems that are being built around the world, they look exactly the same way. Hey, now you guys, I mean, uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit. We didn't dove into the system, but we've got, uh, you know, pointers to the product and demos in the show notes for people. Um, you know, you guys obviously started off, um, you know, server to server communication, uh, you know, application, you know, sort of the, the, the traditional, you know, protect the, the endpoint, um, you know, server type thing. You guys sort of are changing that up a little bit. You're kind of broadening it. You've gotten into the, you know, kind of protecting users to a certain extent. Talk about what you guys just recently announced and, and why it's such a big deal in terms of, uh, you know, helping companies and, and impacting, you know, keeping users safe and devices safe and so forth. Uh, so the, thanks, thanks for that. So yeah, one of the things that we recognize, and we've been getting a lot of feedback from customers, which is like, hey, it's great that you guys do all this intra and inter-server and application protection. But, you know, we have this other vulnerability point, which are end users. Um, and, you know, obviously that is one of the big risk uh, variables is an end user logging into an authorized end user logging into an application in the data center or in the public cloud. And then from there going on and doing, you know, really horrible things. So what we recognize is that if you look at the kind of source of truth about end users in most large computing environments, there is really one major source, which is the entitlement system um, and the authentication system, which for a large part of the enterprise is really active directory. So what we did is we actually fused the entitlement capabilities of active directory, which I mean, I mean, by the way, one login or Okta do effectively the same thing. They say what you're allowed to log into and what you're allowed to use. But what they don't do is they don't 
it doesn't go far enough anymore because I might use my active directory credentials to say I'm allowed to log into the CRM system and email and maybe the company's HR system. And that's maybe the only three things I'm allowed to do to log into. It doesn't stop me from trying to connect to the other 42 systems we run in our business. So that's where Illumio comes in. So we can, we've actually married those entitlements of what you're allowed to log into to the communications capabilities, what we do from a segmentation, whitelisting, and encryption, and saying now not only are you only allowed to log into those three applications, you can't even see or connect to the others. You know, as an end, as an end user, let's say, you know, uh, my buddy Matt stole my laptop. Yes, he can log to those three, but he may try to hack and use my credentials to go into the other sets of applications. Now you can't even do that. We call it actually application cloaking. If you're a fan of Star Trek, right, with a Klingon cloaking device, you can't even see the other things. You don't even know they exist. Yeah. So you can't crawl around. And if you, even if you, and you can't see them and you can't connect to them. So the metaphor for that is like, you know, uh, entitlement credentials are like the keys that allow you to open the door, the front door of your house. Illumio actually stops you at the white picket fence. You can't even get, to, you can't even see, get to, or connect to the door anymore. And we've gotten an enormous amount of, um, just in the last month or two in talking to folks, an enormous amount of interest in this. So what we're trying to do is bring two critical sources of truth, how your data center is supposed to operate and what your users are allowed to do together. And interestingly enough, I mean, there's probably about 200 million servers that Lumio has pointed to. There's probably about half a billion desktops we can now also bring into this control model. So you know, we're pretty stoked about it. Um, and we yeah. made it real easy. You yeah. just you just drop the group policy objects, group policies from Active Directory into our policy model, into our system, and that's it. Yep. No, it's, it's, and, you know, it's, it's, it's bone dry simple to, to get it up and running. Yeah, and, and I mean, assume you guys are going after... You're going after sort of like you said the the, the desktop users at, in enterprises, but I got to imagine that's got to be really interesting and appealing, like for managed service providers to be able to say, you know what, I I can ensure to my my customers that my internal staff isn't going to be able to get access to your systems, isn't going to be able to, you know, be a rogue agent and and take you out of compliance and stuff. So that's a that's an interesting uh, way to, yeah. to deal with you stuff know, from, from we, multiple we, we, angles. We, yeah, you know, what we think will probably be like a very first fast market for this will be the, I don't know, the couple hundred million. Uh, I'm, I'm, by the way, this is, you know, my, my mouth to God's ear, right? But the couple hundred million of VDI <laughs> instances, right? Because people, people put, I mean, if you think about what VDI is, VDI is just a desktop running on a virtual machine. Yep, yep. In the data center and then basically effectively a dumb terminal on the other side. Um but, you know, it's not restricted to that, but you know, that, that's probably the first target. And people have moved to VDI for security, but now, you, you know, now because of the availability. What's interesting is that we learn in a lot of customers, their VDI plants are sitting right in the heart of their most critical other IT computing assets in their data center. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, it lives on, lives on the same no, it's, servers. It's just VMs. Right. It, a lot of times exactly that's how people right. get to it. <laughs> well, and, and the core thing that we do is we, you know, rather than protect the perimeter, and there are other people who work really hard at that, we've reversed the math. So from a security point of view, an attacker only has to be right once to get past the perimeter, right? The perimeter has to be perfect every time. But in Illumio's world, by protecting the inside, 
an attacker only has to make one mistake and we'll catch them and stop them yep. because we restrict the amount of hops they can make inside the environment. So we're, we're trying to work on changing the calculus there. Gotcha. So it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's these guys who are using kind of like war fighting analogies all the time. It's, you know, it's, but it, but it, it really is it's about setting up a lot more trip wires for anything bad than stopping anything bad from happening. Yep. Well, and it also seems like you, you've taken a slightly different approach there in the fact that instead of attacking the low hanging fruit, you're actually attacking some of the hardest problems first. You know, it's, you know, people start, they start with Lumio, they don't put us in development environments, they, they put us on their, what we call them high value assets. Right, uh, right, because because you know that's it's the uh, Willie Mc, Willie Sutton theory, right? People rob banks because that's where the money is. People go to <laughs> databases because that's where the information is, and so that's that's what people really need to protect and really ring fence away from their general purpose computing, and that's you know traditionally in a very you know that's very hard to do, and using networks and choke points to do that involves a lot of traffic steering, a lot of complexity, and a lot of error, uh, and, and then correction. So I think that's, I think that's why, uh, you know, our approach so far is, um, is had really good traction. Cool. Well, listen, let me, let me wrap this up real quick. Let me, I'll ask you one last question. Cause like you said, you're a, you're a football guy. The Super Bowl was just out in the Valley, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, RSA is coming up sort of the, sort of the Super Bowl of security in terms of, you know, number of people. And what's the, you know, for, for people that maybe don't live and breathe security every day, what are the, I don't know, two or three things they ought to be looking for coming out of RSA, the big topics that people are talking about, to, you know, maybe especially to like the DevOps crowd. Well, you know, so for the DevOps crowd, they need to figure out first and foremost how to bake security into the development cycle and not try to how to bolt it in afterwards. I think, you know, anything that you build and then you try to bolt something on afterwards, it's painful, right? And so there, I think the security industry is, and the DevOps industry are just starting to get together and they're going to do this. I think there's going to be a lot of this at RSA where they are going to say, how do we get started working together day one, as opposed to adding security in, you know, half, three quarters of the way before those applications were built. So I think that's going to be a big um, area. The second area is that, you know, you can't stop what you can't see or you don't know about. So what I think is going to be increasingly important is rather than all this focus on detection, which is what really last two RSAs were about, uh, people are going to say, I want to know how long something bad is. I want to see things in my environment a lot sooner. So if you look at most of the really severe hacks, the malware or the bad actor lived in these environments for weeks and months, and sometimes even as much as a year. You might have a burglar living in your attic for a year and then dealing with it after. So so people want much more rapid understanding of potential threats in their environment and the ability to take action um, quicker. And then I think, you know, you, as we, I think the other thing is that security has been, has had a big bump up in spend over the last couple of years while infrastructure has been relatively flat. I think people are going to want to understand much more of the economics of security. There's been a lot of discussion of things like cyber insurance. It's kind of a different issue, but it's, it's related. So I think people are going to have to start to quantify security decisions based on um, what it means to the business and not just how to protect it. So I think those three things are going to start to, um, to come together in a much, much more fulsome way 
Uh, I, th- I, you know, I think it's just it's a lot about security coming into the mainstream. Yeah, yeah, it makes makes sense, and and all things for folks to kind of keep an eye out. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, will be uh, people get bombarded with security announcements and so forth. So kind of kind of sort through the noise with, with some of that stuff. Uh, listen, let, let's wrap it up. Um, you know, best place for folks to to find you other than uh, you know illumio.com. Um, you know, anywhere you're going to be out and about, people can buy you a beer. Oh well, we have lots of people out there in the world. Uh, me personally, I'm, you know, I'm mostly here, but I'm around. They obviously can meet up with us RSA. We uh, we have Illumio representatives and most NFL cities to continue that analogy, now, and including where you guys live. Uh, um, so you know, we we have lots of you know lots of ways to meet up with people there. We're uh, rapidly filling out the people who represent Illumio around the world. So. Uh, you know, if people are interested, we'll send people to them. Um, and then there's and lots of information about Illumio and, uh, all over the web. And, and, you're sorry? Hi- and you're hiring for people that are uh, actively interested? We're very actively hiring. Uh, you know what? Finding people is the number one challenge for scaling and growing the company. Cool. Cool. It's good to, good to hear when, when some, some, some areas of the industry are having a tough time. So, folks, if you're interested, go uh, go check out some of the stuff over at Illumina. A lot of really, yeah, smart, there, lot there, of really there. smart people over there right now. Well, thanks. We're, you know, uh, we want a lot more. So thank you for the bump on that. Yeah, you bet. Well, listen, let's wrap it up with there. Uh, folks, you know, as always, uh, you know, you can find everything about the Cloudcast on the website. Um, thanks again to everybody for all the Krispy Kreme stuff. And uh, Alan, thank you so much for being on tonight. Uh, great to have you on. First time on the show. Hopefully we can have you back again soon. Appreciate that. Thanks for the opportunity and thanks for everybody for listening. All right. Thanks, folks. Have a great weekend and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 